0: Many of the Bible stories and verses we think we know, we don't. When we understand the text as an online ministry committed to teaching sound doctrine and exposing the faulty, visit our website at www.utt.com. Now here's our host, Pastor Gabe Hughes. Thank you, Becky, who is not recording with me today. But it's not because we could not find the time to get together or find someone to watch the kids. Becky is sick and has a pretty substantial cough, but it's not COVID. <laughs> Believe it or not, people do still get sick with things that aren't COVID. And you can even get a cough that isn't COVID. And that's where Becky's at. All of us in the family, there's six of us, Becky and I and then the four kids, uh we have all had coughs since we arrived here in East Texas and we've been told by our friends, by members in the church, that this is just the East Texas cough. Everybody's got it. One of our friends even said that when she got here, she was here for a year and and was like sick that entire first year that they lived here in East Texas. So our bodies are getting adjusted to a new climate. I will say this, though, the whole time we've been here, the temperature has not been below freezing. That's great. Becky and I are not cold weather people, (laughs) so we love the milder winter, um, uh, even through November, December and now early part of January. Our friends back in Kansas, it's been freezing like the whole time since we've been gone and they've had quite a bit of snow. We've had some rain here, but no snow. I think this coming Sunday night, the temperature actually gets below freezing for the first time this winter. It'll get down to 30 degrees overnight. That's all right. Uh, we're looking at 60 degrees then for the rest of the week after that. Hey, this is the Friday edition of the broadcast and we take questions from the listeners which you can submit to when we understand the text at gmail.com. I'm only going to do half a show today because I'm really quite tired. So instead of the usual hour that we do on Friday, I'm going to answer a few of these questions here in uh, just within the next 30 minutes. But first I want to start with I want to start by addressing some of the things that have been going on in our nation this week. I'm not going to share any opinions, although I do have plenty. I just wanted to give you a little bit of hope. This is John chapter 18. Jesus has been arrested. He's appeared before Pontius Pilate. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, but my kingdom is not from the world then pilate said to him so you are a king jesus answered you say that i am a king for this purpose i was born and for this purpose i have come into the world to bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice and then pilate's response to that famous response john 18:38 pilate said to him what is truth I read this to you because I want you to remember that we as followers of Christ are of a kingdom that is not of this world. And we have, especially in the United States of America, uh, in Europe, they've seen very similar things, in Australia as well. Over the course of the last year, the summer of 2020, and even here in January of 2021, we've seen rioters and looters and thugs, lawbreakers that have been all over the news. Now, the news will speak about one group one way and then another group another way. That's kind of beside the point. This is not of the kingdom of God. And what we see that is going on in our world is of a worldly people. It is not of a godly people who hope in Christ and our hope is not in anything here, but in a kingdom that is to come. A kingdom that we are presently citizens of, but we are waiting for that day when our faith shall be sight and our Lord Jesus Christ welcomes us into his glory, into the presence of his kingdom, that glorious heaven forever. Consider what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians three seventeen, And remember, he's writing this from prison. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Their end is destruction. Our end is eternal life with God forever. And we are citizens of that kingdom. Now we must behave as that kingdom people, even in our present, even when we are among those who who want to do violence come back to jesus words again in john chapter 18 as he said to Pilate. he said my kingdom is not of this world and remember Pilate said your people have turned you over to me jesus response is they're not my people he said to the jews earlier in the book of john you do not understand what i say because you are not of my sheep you are of your father the devil And your will is to do your father's desires. That was back in John 8. So Jesus saying to Pilate, these are not my people. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been what? My servants would have been fighting. The children of God in Christ Jesus are not fighting, physically fighting to advance the kingdom of God. We go out with what's called. The gospel of peace that's the way it's described in the new testament in ephesians chapter six even when paul is talking about putting on spiritual armor he says he says we put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace and as we read uh, as we have studied in the book of romans we read in romans 10 how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news the gospel of peace And so this is the message that we go out with. It is a message that brings peace to all men, peace on earth, goodwill to men, as the angels delivered to shepherds when Jesus was born. This is a message that brings peace to men because there is peace between God and men. We are at enmity with God. Until we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn from our sin, put our faith and trust in him who died for our sins, reconciling us to God. And then we go from being enemies of God to friends of God. We've gone from being enemies of his kingdom to citizens of that kingdom. Even more than this, we are fellow heirs of that kingdom. We are even the children of God adopted into that family through faith in Jesus Christ. So as The kingdom people of God, we bring a message of peace. Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Children of God are peacemakers. Jesus says, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of the world. And Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Meaning, yes, what you have said is true. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And those that are doing violence to try to advance a cause are not following the voice of Christ. Do not lose hope when we see this world delve into chaos, but continue to cling to Christ. For our citizenship is not of this world, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, I'm a proud American citizen, and I love the rights that have been afforded to me, and I am using those rights right now to share the gospel. I have the freedom to be able to do that. So I want to utilize my rights to advance Christ. That's what Paul did with his rights as a Roman citizen. So I want to do the same with my rights as an American citizen. Know what your rights are in the place where you live so that you can utilize them to share Christ with others. But do not put your trust or your hope in that citizenship or in the government that you are under. The government is full of sinful, depraved people with dark hearts who will go to destruction if they do not repent and follow Christ. At the same time, there are people who work in our government who are God-fearing people. Uh, As much as Donald Trump is not a God-fearing man, not a Christian, but he has surrounded himself with people who are God-fearing men and women, and that's why we have seen some of the conservative advancements that he was able to make over the course of his four-year presidency. Not as much as I would have liked, certainly, but it was not as bad as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. We'll put it that way. Like I said, I've got opinions, and I shared some of those opinions last week, but what good does it do to build up the kingdom of God for me to share these opinions and delve into various conspiracy theories? Remember the words that were shared by God through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter eight, verses 12 and 13. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we are told, In your heart, set apart Christ as holy, always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. But do this with gentleness and respect. And we need to behave on social media the same way. As much as we need to respond to people with gentleness and respect in uh, in Our face-to-face interactions. We also need to be that way in our interactions online, which it seems like we're having more of those interactions than face-to-face interactions these days, what with lockdowns and masks and uh, social distancing and whatnot, which more of that is coming when uh, Biden becomes president here at the end of the month. Once again, I want to encourage you to Put your hope in Christ, who is still on his throne. No one enters into the throne room of God, waving a flag to another king, staking a claim, overthrowing God's sovereign decree, disrupting something that God has set in place. Nothing like that. Everything that is going on right now is exactly as God had decreed it from before the foundation of the world. And even in these things, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, he is using this to grow us into Christ. Everything that is going on, on a national scale, or even in your personal life, the things that are happening on a personal level for you. God is working all things together for good, for those who love God, and are called according to his purpose. And as we have in Lamentations chapter 3, remember that Lamentations was when uh, the children of Israel were exiled because of their sin against God. And in the midst of this lament, we have this statement in Lamentations three thirty-seven: Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain, a man about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts And hands to God in heaven. Brothers and sisters, let us examine our ways. Repent of our sins before God. Ask God to to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and hold fast to Christ. You know, for Jesus to say to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, also means this world cannot touch his kingdom. No one in this world is ever going to change or alter the kingdom that God has established through his son hold fast to Christ he is carrying us through this i think also of uh, of something that jesus said when he was being arrested in the gospel of matthew it records that in the garden of gethsemane when when jesus was going to be arrested peter tried to fight remember he tried to fight the mob that was going to arrest jesus jesus told him to put away his sword and then he says matthew 26, 53 Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? (laughs) I could wipe out this horde with invincible angels from heaven. Who are you with your sword and what is it that you're trying to do? Couldn't Christ right now rain down angels on everyone in this world who does evil? Most certainly he could. And there is coming a day in which he will. That's when he will bring in his his eternal kingdom. That's how his kingdom is going to come in at the end. But in the meantime, we bring people into that kingdom through preaching the gospel and only through preaching the gospel. It It is by faith in Jesus Christ through the hearing of the gospel that anyone becomes a citizen of the kingdom of God, not by force, not by coercion, not by bribery, not by lies. Because, again, as Jesus said to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And anybody who is of the world is going to ask what Pilate asked. What is truth? I don't even know what true is. Is there such a thing as truth? There is no such thing as absolute truth. That's the statement of the world, which, of course, is a truthful statement. And they contradict themselves because they have a seared conscience. Anyway, I can can go on and on about this. We know the truth. The truth is Christ, who gives us the resurrection of the dead. By faith in Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins, fellowship with God, the resurrection of the dead. None of the rights that you can get from your government will come anywhere close to what we have in Christ. Hold fast to Christ in these days, my friends. He is working. He reigns. He will deliver us. Amen. Let's get to some questions here. You can submit questions to the broadcast when we understand the text at gmail.com. This first one has to do with the Bible Project, and it has to do with the 20-minute video that I did a little over a year ago. I just did a new one, a 90-second video that addressed just what the Bible Project teaches on the subject of hell, which they got some wonky things that they teach about hell. So let me play that video, and then I'll get to this question. the bible project is one of the most popular bible teaching sites on the web but that does not mean they're sound listen to what they say about hell whatever hell is god didn't make it hell is something that humans have created Really? Humans created hell? In Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Prepared by whom? Not us. Verse 46 says the unrighteous will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. No one in the Bible talked about hell more than Jesus, and he said it's a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. The Son of Man will send his angels to throw the unrepentant into the fiery furnace, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but the Bible Project says... Hell, and that word and what that refers to, it's not some place other than heaven and earth. It's a place where people are sustained by God's mercy and care but God allows them the dignity of not being in a relationship with him if they don't want. Hell is a place of God's mercy and care? No, hell is God's wrath, poured out on the wicked forever. Rejecting God is not dignified, it's damnable. The only way to be snatched from the flames is to worship Jesus Christ. He talked about hell so much so you would not go there, so you would turn to him and be saved. This soft teaching from the Bible Project will lead people you know where avoid it when we understand the text. So there you go. I've been thinking about doing a a second 90 second video where I cover what the Bible Project teaches about penal substitutionary atonement, which, of course, they deny. But doing that in one video also, maybe I can have a Series of videos exposing what the Bible Project teaches on various subjects because they're they're really soft on everything that they teach. It's just really soft stuff. As I said with uh, Andy Olson on his program Echo Zoe, sometimes the problems with the Bible Project is not in what they say, but in what they don't say. But then when you follow the links under the videos that they've got on YouTube, that's when you get the wonkiest stuff their podcast episodes, the sermons that they link to from Tim Mackey, and the, the Q&Rs. They don't call them Q&As. They're Q&Rs, question and response. They'll do like a live stream, and then people will submit questions while Tim and John are answering them, and uh, and some of the answers that they give just off the cuff when they haven't thought this stuff through, uh, is that's really bizarre. That's actually where I got the clip of him saying that – hell is a place of god's mercy and care it was in one of his q and r uh episodes totally bonkers anyway so this question is submitted anonymously i don't have a name on it i've been reading the bible and watching the bible project videos i came across your video what's wrong with the bible project that's the longer video i found it interesting being a novice i'm trying to understand the bible I would would not have caught what you state as disagreement with Tim Mackey's opinions or omissions regarding propitiation, so I appreciated your take. I learned much from reading comments to various videos, but you have comments turned off. However, there are more thumbs down than thumbs up. I understand that people can be emotional and dogmatic about their faith, but why would so many people not like your video versus like it? Just trying to gain understanding. Thank you. So the question is, why do so many people not like your Bible Project video? This person doesn't know because the uh, the comments have been turned off. Yeah, I turned the comments off because they were all exactly the same comment. It was just, shame on you. How dare you? Um, <laughs> judge not lest he be judged. That was in there a lot. Did you contact him, Mackie, first before you publicly called him out? Uh, because Matthew 18 says that you're supposed to. Um, uh, it, there were also comments where it was clear that the person who was commenting commented like three minutes in. They didn't even, they didn't even continue watching because the answer to that question that, or the, the critique that they were making came later on in the video. Uh, it, so I shut the comments off cause they were nothing but negative. It was going to be the same thing. And there kind of comes a point where people are watching the video and they already know what they're going to say. So they're not watching the video anymore. They jump down to the comment section. So turning them off forced people to have to watch more of the video. That's one of the reasons why there aren't comments turned on, on the 92nd videos either. Uh, y- you need to watch the video. Stop trying to think about how you're going to respond and sit there for a moment and listen to what is being taught to you. There are thoughts that take longer than 15 seconds to formulate, okay? (laughs) Everybody's thinking in like the span of a TikTok video anymore. I remember when I first started doing the what videos, there were some that were going 90 seconds is too short. Can you lengthen these videos? But now the comments I'm getting are just the opposite. I am getting comments from people saying 90 seconds is now too long. Can you shorten this up so I can share it on Instagram or TikTok? That's all really funny. Anyway, uh, so the comments are shut off so that you're forced to have to watch it. But the main reason they're turned off is because people are just rude. And, And incidentally, I get a lot more comments thanking me for turning the comment section off than I get from people saying, Hey, how dare you turn the comments off? Parents let their kids watch these videos. My kids watch these videos. So I'm going to keep the comment section off and keep all of the the vile, crass stuff that people will throw in there away from my videos. You can make your own crass videos if you want. Mine are going to remain free and family-friendly. So back to the question, why did people hate the Bible Project video that I did? My response to the Bible Project. Because... They like the soft God that Tim Mackey is peddling rather than the God of the Bible. People do not want to think about the fact that their sins are deserving of the wrath of God. John three thirty six says, he who has the son has life. He who does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. People do not want to think that they're deserving of God's wrath, that their sins are actually so great that they would be destroyed by a God that they think is only love and nothing else. Nobody, nobody who has that perspective of God wants to think of God as having wrath and pouring out wrath. But in the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement, Jesus Christ took the wrath of God for us. He became a propitiation for our sins. He died on the cross drank the cup of God's wrath, our sins were imputed upon Christ and his righteousness is given to us. When we say that he died for us, that's what we mean. He died in our place. He took the penalty that we deserved, the wrath of God for our unrighteousness, our rebellion against God. And then all who believe in him are forgiven and we have eternal life. But we don't want to think about the wrath of God. We don't want to think about a loving God doing something like that. And that's why Mackie also has a soft position on hell. He denies penal substitutionary atonement because he doesn't even want to acknowledge the wrath of God. And therefore, he's got a soft position on hell, which basically just sounds like universalism. Nobody's really going to perish in a burning hell forever because God is not wrath. He would never do anything like that. It is a uh, and all of this comes down to a diminishing of god and his holiness they do not understand what holiness is either when you go to the bible project video on holiness yeah they they downplay holiness there as well they even excuse the concept of moral perfection and instead they go into kind of a history lesson on on holiness in the old testament God is perfect and righteous and holy, and we are not. We are sinful, depraved creatures deserving of his wrath and judgment. That's what we deserve. But God, in his mercy, sent his son to die for us. See, if you don't understand the wrath of God, you don't understand the mercy of God. Jesus died for us, that whoever believes in him will not perish. But by the grace of God, we are forgiven our sins. We have fellowship with God and eternal life with him forever in glory it's not a message that you will get from the bible project but that is the message that we get from the pages of scripture all right let's uh let's continue on here so the i let's see i'll skip to this last question this is from daryl greetings pastor gabe and becky i have a question regarding genesis 6 2 when it says the sons of god who are the sons that the passage is talking about. I've heard it's referring to fallen angels, but I wanted to know if that is accurate. I hope you guys are enjoying Texas. I'm an Oklahoma boy myself. God bless you both. Thank you so much, Daryl, and I will pass on your greeting to Becky. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter six. I'm gonna start at the beginning of the chapter. This is after we have the genealogy that's listed in chapter five, Adam's descendants to Noah. So in Genesis six, starting in verse one, When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So the question that Daryl has is, who are the sons of God mentioned in Genesis 6-2? Let me read that verse again. The sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any as they chose. There are two main interpretations of this passage. There's a few other theories out there as well, but I'm going to stick with these two. So first of all, is the one that Daryl mentioned there. It's the idea that the sons of God are fallen angels. So uh, so again, the the sons of God are angels that used to be in heaven. Now they're demons. They're wandering the earth. They saw the daughters of men, that they were attractive, and they took as their wives any that they chose. So the idea here is that basically angels became incarnate or or demons became incarnate. And they had sexual relations with human women. And then that led to the Nephilim that we have mentioned later on in verse four. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So it's almost like these guys have supernatural blood in them because they're the offspring of demons and humans. That's. That's the common I I think, really, that's the most popular way to teach this. And there are there are guys that I admire that teach it this way. Uh, Albert Moeller being one of them, I've listened to Albert Moeller teach on this particular section, and he's talked about that's what this is referring to. And you have the reference in Jude verses five and six, where it says, now, I want to remind you that although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. So I've heard teachers refer back to that in Jude and say, see, that's a reference back to Genesis chapter six, because those angels didn't stay in their place of authority. They left their proper dwelling. They They took on human likenesses and had sexual relations with human women. That's not what that's talking about. The angels didn't stay within their own position of authority, meaning that they didn't remain with God in heaven, but rebelled against God and were cast out. That's the understanding of Jude. So what are we to uh, what are we to get out of Genesis 6 2? What does this mean when it says, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive? I do not think that it means that angels became fallen and had sexual relations with women, because it says in Genesis 6 2, they took as their wives any that they chose. Well, consider what Jesus said in Mark 12. And this was in response to the Sadducees. The Sadducees gave him that uh, scenario of there being seven brothers and one wife. One brother marries the woman, but he dies. Another brother marries her and then he dies. All seven brothers marry this woman. So whose wife is she in the afterlife? The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they thought that they were catching Jesus and like, uh, this this little story problem was going to show everybody how there cannot possibly be a resurrection of the dead, because otherwise this woman is all seven brothers wife. And Jesus responds to them in Mark twelve twenty four. He says, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because, you know, neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Boom. <laughs> But Jesus goes on, verse 25, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, some might contest with that response and say, well, Jesus is talking about angels in heaven there. Genesis six is talking about fallen angels who are no longer in heaven. It doesn't matter. Go back to the passage again and look at it. Genesis 6 two, the sons of God. So based on this interpretation, the sons of God are fallen angels saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives. Anyone that they chose. God did not give marriage to angels. He gave marriage to mankind. And what is the main reason for marriage? It's to start a family. It's to procreate. God made them male and female and told them to be fruitful and multiply. That's what you have. The creation mandate from Genesis chapter one, the angels don't procreate. There are not male and female angels. Therefore they don't have reproductive organs. How can even a fallen angel therefore reproduce with a human woman? And that's, that's what's going on here. What we're seeing in Genesis six, one through four is that uh, uh, sexual immorality and violence were widespread in the earth, and only Noah was set apart. He was the only righteous man. And God saves Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people on an ark, because God is good. Mankind had become wicked, and the Lord grieved that he had even created them On the earth because of the wickedness that they have delved into. It was because mankind was wicked, not because the demons made them wicked. So who are these sons of God then that are talked about in Genesis 6, 2? Well, remember, this comes right after the genealogy that we read in chapter 5 from Adam to Noah. Which son of Adam is Noah a descendant of? Seth. Right before this genealogy, we had the genealogy of Cain in Genesis chapter four from Cain to Lamech. And then after Lamech, after it mentions Lamech, it says in Genesis 425, Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel for Cain killed him to Seth. Also, a son was born And he called his name Enosh. Now get this in verse 26. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's in the line of Seth. That was not in the line of Cain. The line of Cain was always wicked. The line of Seth, for at least a time, worshiped and honored God until you get to Genesis six. And then it says the sons of God. So those are the descendants of Seth that we just read about in chapter five. They saw that the daughters of man were attractive. And that's referring to the descendants of Cain. And they took as their wives any that they chose. So what you start to see is wickedness begin to spread among mankind and there's no longer two distinguishing groups of people, one that honors the Lord and the other one that is far from God. Bad company corrupts good character, as it says in other places in the scriptures. And so then you have the descendants of Seth starting to intermarry with the descendants of Cain and eventually that wickedness just spreads. The goodness doesn't infect the wickedness in the heart in the heart of sinful man it is wicked mankind who will corrupt that which is good so then in verse 3 the lord said my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh his days shall be 120 years the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of god came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. And all this is simply talking about is that these were very very violent men. And so they would pursue anything that they wanted which is why they're referred to as mighty. Whatever they wanted, they conquered, they received. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That's the very next verse. Verse 5. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Nowhere in there do you see anything about I regret that I kicked the demons out because then they went to earth and corrupted mankind that I made in my image. There's nothing in there about that. So this was just wickedness spreading among mankind until it got so bad that the Lord is going to wipe out everybody save for one righteous man. And that by the mercy and grace of God, it is by God's grace that Noah was a righteous man and by his mercy that he saved mankind through Noah and his family. And all of us who are alive today are descendants of Noah through his three sons. That's who we are now. We're all of the same human race. That's uh, incidentally, that is a belief even that is starting to lose an understanding among evangelicalism. But that is a that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> anyway, I hope that that answer is good for you, Daryl. And I thank you for submitting your question. Thank you to everybody who listened to the program today. Oh, hey, I am uh, I'm posting entire books of the Bible on Saturday so I'm not doing the Saturday scripture like I was doing before where it would just be 20 minutes of Bible teaching. Now I'm posting entire books of the Bible on Saturday. And by the time I get to the end of the year, it will be all 66 books. So tomorrow, Exodus posts. You will find Exodus on this podcast. The uh, The episode that posted Saturday last week was the entire book of Genesis. Tomorrow it's Exodus, and that's read in the New American Standard Bible. That's been part of the Bible recording that I've been doing For literal word, which I'm behind on for a number of different reasons. Pray for me because I'd like to finish that pretty soon. Pray for Becky also for her health. Let's pray and we'll close out this program. God, our father, we thank you for the goodness that you show to us every day. Your mercies are new every morning. And I pray that we cling to Christ in these days, that even though the news is filled with bad news, they've got to keep us in crisis. They've got to keep us in fear because news is a commodity. And that's what keeps us coming back, clicking on more articles or watching more news so we can get fed with more commercials. It's just bad news all the time. It can be a very stressful situation if that's all we're filling our minds and hearts with. Teach us to rely on your word, to cling to Christ, to know the good news that we have in the gospel, not listening to the tragedy that is going on in this world and therefore being filled with anxiety, but we are filled with peace and hope through the faith that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who died for us, who rose from the dead who reigns on high in heaven above, seated at the right hand of God, enthroned now in his kingdom and is bringing his kingdom into this world where all evil will be removed by the hand of God and we will dwell peacefully with our Lord forever in his glorious kingdom. Help us to long for that day, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things we need on this earth, we know you will give to us as well. We pray for wisdom among our nation's leaders, that they would surround themselves with people who fear the Lord and guide them in godly counsel. And may we see, may we see peace in our days even again. Cure us of this disease that is going on, but the real disease is sin. In all the chaos that is happening in our world and in the threat of disease that is there, I pray that it would convict the hearts of men, that they would realize that they are evil. We need a savior. And Christ is that Savior. Turn our hearts to you. Grant repentance to this land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is When We Understand the Text with Pastor Gabe Hughes. There are lots of great Bible teaching programs on the web, and we thank you for selecting ours. But this is no replacement for regular fellowship with a church family. Find a good gospel-teaching, Christ-centered church to worship with this weekend, and join us again Monday for more Bible study when we understand the text.